Hello, everybody. It's Betsy, and here's what's in the Pop and Collars feed for the month of October 2020. We channel our inner Cecil B. DeMille on this month's Pop and Collars, where we discuss Hollywood biblical epics. And speaking of biblical epics, the person who literally wrote the book on them, Richard Lindsay, returns on this month's Take Two. Greg and I are in the home stretch of our 1989 movie rewatch. This month's Going on 30 spotlights the directorial debut of Steven Soderbergh with his Sex Lies and Videotape. Finally, on The Sacred Six, Shana and Greg ponder the nature of war and hatred as they review the Star Trek episode, The Day of the Dove. Thanks again for listening and keep those collars popped. Shana. Have you ever had the feeling you were being followed by a hateful little ball of light? Every day. <laughs> this is the Sacred Six. Welcome to the Sacred Six. Sometimes an item in pop culture is just too big for one podcast episode, and that's where this show steps in. I'm your host, Greg Knight. My special guest for this series is Shayna Watson. Shayna, how are you? I am great, and there's no glowy ball of light. <sighs> Thank God. I mean, honestly, that thing was awful. We continue to boldly go through six episodes of Star Trek, and this month we find ourselves at Season 3, Episode 7, Day of the Dove. Whose turn is it? Oh, it's my turn. It's my turn. All right. We'll put one minute on the clock. On my mark. It's that. <laughs> Go. So, Day of the Dove starts with the uh, crew of the Enterprise encounters a crew of Klingons on a planet. And they both think that each other has done something dastardly. Um, and it turns out to be a giant misunderstanding. Because there's this hateful little ball of light that's following both crews around. And the ball of light uh, absorbs energy based on the hate that it receives from other people. And so it's trying to get the crew of the Enterprise and the Klingons. Oh, my gosh. They're trying to get the crew of the Enterprise and Klingons to fight each other so that it can become more powerful. But at the end of the day, uh, Kirk and the Klingon leader, Kang, realize that uh, only by working together can they defeat the hateful ball of light. That minute goes faster. The minute goes faster than you would think. <laughs> what is the moment that stood out most for you in this episode, Shana? What stood out to me the most, of course, was when the when the um, episode first started. And everyone, again, is accusing the other. The Klingons are accusing the Enterprise, Enterprise accusing the Klingons, and Chekhov, who becomes very incensed because it's personal for him. You know, he said his brother was killed. So the the fighting back and forth and then there's like this invisible force that's that caused it all. There's what I said, there's what you said, and somewhere in there is either the disruptive force or the truth or whatever that lingers. Totally. Oh my gosh, that's so true. This is our first Chekhov episode. So I'm glad you uh named Chek Chekhov. I think he shows up in season two. But yeah, this is our first time seeing him in season three. What Chekhov reminded me of was that his statement of like they killed my brother or whatever kirk uses a similar statement like that in i want to say it's star trek six where he talks about the klingons killed his son and there's like no good klingon and you know Mm -hmm. he uses that as like a way of getting revenge 
and his words are sort of used against him and stuff like that. Uh, the moment that stood out to me, I wrote this down, like Spock is saying that they're being toyed with, that they're, they're being used in a game. And mm. somebody says, what's, uh, I think it's Kirk that says, what's, what's the game? Uh, that stood out to me because, you know, the way that this hate worked, and it was really hate, like that was what was at the, the core of this episode. It's this idea that you can be pawns in a game that you don't know how to play. And that's like the hate is driving you, but you have no idea what it is that you're even doing. Uh, mm-hmm. And even Spock was affected by that, which was really um, scary in that moment. Like it's easy to buy into the lie. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes when I'm speaking to high schools or wherever I go to talk about any form of like diversity and multicultural sensitivity, all of those wonderful things. The first thing I do is I apologize. You know, mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm so sorry. We all inherited these systems and we now have a choice to create how we want to move forward. Like we don't have to live out somebody else's truth and we don't have to live out somebody else's lie. And so what do we do with these things that our parents, our grandparents have taught us and that we learn in school? And it's kind of, it was like that between the Klingons and the Enterprise. They could choose to hold on to some of those old ways of being um, and old attitudes or they could have just kind of realized like, oh, okay, you didn't put out the distress call. You didn't put out the distress call. So what, you know, what is happening here? So I'm glad that there was like a moment where someone came to reason just to say like, we're not each other's enemies. Like these things, these are old hurts and somebody else is causing this disturbance because it's like, you know, you're being preyed on. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a great point too, because one of the frustrating moments that I had watching this episode was Kang's wife when she's abducted. And there's a horrible scene between her and Chekhov that is also like uh, emblematic of hate where Chekhov tries to sexually assault her and stuff. It's, it's just like tough to watch. I remember I was, I was like, Ooh, but um, one of the frustrating things that I had with her character was when uh, Spock was starting to figure it out and he had convinced Kirk and Kirk was starting to figure out like how this energy ball was, was manipulating them and manipulating their perceptions of reality and stuff. And it seemed like she was there for all of the evidence that they were collecting, you know, and they were like saying like, oh my gosh, look at this, you know, and they're trying to convince her like, look, this thing is using us, you know, you need to talk to King, you need to be an ally for us on this. And she still wasn't buying in because even though she had all this evidence, you're a hundred percent right. Her worldview (laughs) couldn't see it as reality, even with all the evidence they were presenting she couldn't see what it was that they were trying to tell her because that wasn't real for her. Um, And that's how hate can work is that it blinds us to facts. It blinds us to truth. Drop the mic right now. That's it. And I feel like even doing like with all of the information that's coming out, it's not that people don't see or haven't seen, Mm -hmm. but it's just because their worldview either prohibits them or instills fear where they just, you know, don't want to be the one to speak out against their community, against their families. I mean, even with her, she was like, look, Kang, that's, that's my boo. I can't stand up against my man, you know? So for her to come through on the end, like the very end at the 11th hour where she like throws Kirk the the knife to fight him, 
It, it is a difficult decision. I mean, you just like hit the nail on the head, Greg. Well, and, I mean, that's well, and that's that's now that's making me think about our next question. Where does this episode intersect with where we are today? Is how you'll go to the map for things that aren't true, and you know they're not true, and yet because you can't be convinced otherwise, or because it's going to violate some kind of like community that you're in, like you just hold on to those prejudices. This, this whole thing about like Confederate flags and stuff like that, we literally know factually like how this affects communities around us and that you would hold on to that is all about your fear of being blocked out of whatever this community is that you grew up in and you think is true. No, like how many times do we have to say it over and over and over again? Like this is hatred. And on this show, you're able, it's a sci-fi show. So you're able to like, make it a ball of light. But in reality, it's like your pride, your ego, like all of that evil stuff that we give into uh, in our sinful culture. Like we're feeding that. We're feeding that arrogance and that hatred and all of that stuff when we when we argue for these things. Okay, for the rest of our lives, a thousand lifetimes, senseless violence, fighting while a, an alien has total control over us. And it goes on and on, the good old game of war, pawn against pawn, stopping the bad guys. While somewhere, some thing sits back and laughs and starts it all over again. Let's jump in. Those who hate and fight must stop themselves, Doctor. Otherwise, it is not stopping. And it's so crazy how the glowy ball of light I mean, now that you're preaching. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Preach it, Reverend. <laughs> Sorry. I was, playing, I was playing for at least three seconds. <laughs> but the way this glowy ball of light operated, it like it was like under the disguise of needing help. Like it sent out these calls. And people responded. You know, it's kind of, it was really insidious, which is how hate, right? Because if it's, and I was talking with somebody about this the other day, I'm like, you know, that's the trick of the enemy. Mm -hmm. Those types of things are very deceptive and they present as charming and wonderful and smells good, but really underneath it's like, because, you know, like if, if hate was grotesque and, had super long fangs and, you know, was a mm-hmm. weird thing. You know, it was easy to re- be repulsed by it. No, I don't want that. No, but it was like, it was, a, like you said, it was a glowing ball of light. You know, obviously, like, we're not going to do six episodes of the show without at least doing a Klingon episode because it's just too important. But the fact that it's Klingons and, uh, you know, United Federation of Planets, both of them are prejudiced against each other already. And that prejudice is rooted in suspicion. Like that's what really came across for me is that Kang is working on the same level that Kirk is. They're both suspicious of each other. And that's what's going to, that's going to feed that hateful energy is that suspicion of each other rather than assuming the best of each other. I tell you, you know, you're talking about preaching. Next time I preach, I need you up there with me, Shana, and we're just going to pass the mic back and forth between each other. And that's, that's how we're going to do service. Um, so, 
<laughs> so who is your uh, who is your MVP? My MVP is is Kang's wife. I yeah. I'm so sorry I forgot her name, but she if she didn't wake up to see the light to convince the other Klingons what Kirk and Spock were saying was true, it would have been a war on the ship. Yeah, and and that took a lot of courage. My MVP is is Kang from this episode because of one line, which was "We have no devil." When he said that, I was like, "Oh my god, that's the coolest <laughs> thing I've ever heard." Um, that, was, that was the beginning, right? Yes, it was at the beginning first- because Kirk says, "Go to the devil" or something, and he says, "We so have no yeah. devil." But we've le- we've learned from stories of yours. <laughs> oh, that's a double snap. It was great. I love that it. Was, like he was good. he was full of good one liners, King, in this episode. Just awesome. Yeah. That is another adventure in the captain's log. Next up, we'll be heading to season three, episode ten, Plato's stepchildren, featuring one of the most famous kisses in sci-fi history. We'll see you then. Star trekking across the universe. On the Starship Enterprise, I'm your Captain Kirk. Star trekking across the universe.